This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to The Safety Plan, the show where I cover the latest cyber scam and how to avoid it on LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. I'm Paul Schwartz, and I'm happy that you are here. Let's do this. Ah, this morning, my daughter was singing um, this song by Fleetwood Mac uh, called Landslide. And now the song is stuck in my head. I guarantee you've heard of it. I took my love and I took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in the snow-covered hills Till the landslide brought me down Well, okay, but it's okay So my kid was singing it with cybersecurity words It went something like this I started my computer, but it was locked And I saw ransomware and it was quickly encrypting Till the antivirus stopped the malware (laughs) Well, jeez Uh, Obviously, the college has allowed me budgetless artistic freedom on this show, and I will take advantage of that position. So, welcome to the Safety Plan Show. Here's the format. I will describe a real-world cyber scam like phishing or malware, identity theft, a Nigerian print scheme, IRS imposter scam, scareware, one of the many, many, many other cyber scams, and I will then explain why it could happen to you. And finally, I will explain how to protect yourself so it doesn't happen to you. So, why should you listen to the Safety Plan episodes? First, as a leader, I want to share my cybersecurity knowledge with you so you, that you can hopefully grow, learn and grow and become inspired by it. Second, a community knowledgeable on cyber scams will not fall for them in the future. And third, if people start practicing good cyber practices in their lives and at home, then they practice those same skills at work, which makes your business or company or local community college more secure. Win, win, and win. So I am Paul Schwartz. I work at Lansing Community College as the Director of Information Security. I coordinate security issues for the college, things like data breach coordination, account compromise investigations, vulnerability scanning of our network, reviewing emails for legitimacy, implementing projects to improve the college security, proactive phishing our employees and training them in on security and many, many other security tasks. I've worked in cybersecurity for 28 years, including 20 years in the Air Force before ending up at Lansing Community College. I drive a vehicle with doors that close with the click of a button, so people think I know stuff, which proves I am smart. SM. RT smart. Okay, it's now time for the cybersecurity roundup. Let's focus on today's topic, how to read website addresses. Fish emails usually contain links to websites that contain malware or ask you for your credentials. The links are often hidden behind welcoming text or images, such as a click here button that will encourage you to click on that link. It's very easy to, to make the text say one thing but the link to point somewhere else. Before opening any email link or website link, the first step is to hover your mouse over the image or the link without clicking on it. 
Now this will reveal a pop-up box that will reveal the true website that it will go to. Let's look at two um, you know, website addresses. We call those embedded URLs. A URL stands for Uniform Resource Locator. A URL is nothing more than the address to a given unique resource on the web. In this example I'm gonna talk about, we have two buttons that say click here, but behind them are two different website addresses. Although these two links or these two pictures of click here look exactly the same, one could lead to a legitimate site, say like LCCEDU, while the other one could lead to someplace different. And you know, in my example, it goes to malware.com, so a bad site. And so even though that say the text or the picture looks exactly the same behind it, that, that address, that's where it gets uh, tricky. Okay, so this goes to show you that the text or picture on your computer screen has nothing to do with where that embedded link leads. If it's a phishing email, the visible text or picture will be just part of the scam. It's there to fool you. So ignore it and find the real target of the link. Okay, so now that you've hovered over that picture or that text and it brings up that little pop-up box that gives you the true address of the link, the next step is to be able to tell if it's a legitimate destination web address from a, you know, a fake one using this rule, the second to last dot and first slash rule. Okay, second to last dot and first slash rule. So what this means is when you look at that URL or that web address, ignore anything that comes before the second to last dot in the web address when reading it from right to left from the first slash and ignore whatever comes after that first slash. Uh, in the address. Okay, so let's let's talk through this address. Um, it starts with HTTPS. Now that stands for Hypertext Transfer Protocol. And that's just the communication protocol that goes between your browser and that web server to push up and bring down the website. Now here it is, colon slash slash www.google.com slash search Fleetwood Mac landslide lyrics, which is what I look for to get the lyrics to the Fleetwood Mac song. Okay, so that's the URL. Now the Second to last dot would be that dot google.com. So that dot between www and Google, that's the dot. And then the first single slash would be after www.google.com slash and then search Fleetwood Mac and so, so, so forth. So that's the demarcation here that we're going to look for to identify the root domain name. Okay, and that's the real address. Criminals can't modify that root domain name. And that's what comes after the second to last dot, but before the first slash. It is the only part of the website address that scammers can't change. So they could change stuff before and stuff after it, but that root domain name cannot be changed. And so that's the way to establish whether it's legit or not. So in my example, it's google.com. And similarly, the root domain of Walmart is walmart.com and Facebook is facebook.com. And at Lansing Community College, it's lcc.edu. Criminals try to disguise their own scam site as a legitimate one by creating similarly named domains and hoping that it's good enough to fool you. So in my example, instead of google.com, it might be google.com.org or google.co.co or google.web, hoping to trick you into thinking that you're actually going to google.com. So it's your job to understand which site you're going to. And if you don't know the real site you're going to, what I recommend is going to 
just coincidentally, a search engine like Google.com and searching for the name, say Pepsi. And and in the search results, it'll show you the legitimate site, which is probably Pepsi.com. And so then you would know, well, when I go to Pepsi every time, it's not Pepsi.web or Pepsi.co or Pepsi.whatever. Um, and so you'll be able to recognize the true root domain and know you're going to legitimate address from a fake one. Say if a fish got sent to you, pretending to be a promotion card from Pepsi, giving you a free case of Pepsi Cola, uh, but the link says it goes to Pepsi dot you know gov. That would be a red flag to know not to click on that link and potentially get uh, you know malware compromise or account compromise. For criminals, it's not difficult to set up a fake web address. For only a few dollars, anyone can register an unused domain name in a matter of minutes. Merely having a website address that looks like a real company's name is no guarantee at all. If you have any doubt as to the authenticity of a web address, the best course of action is to not open the link by clicking on it in an email, but find the site in a browser through a bookmark or a separate Google search for the real site. If you are unsure of the link, you can scan the link for safety by right-clicking on the link and selecting Copy Hyperlink, and then opening up a browser and going to virustotal.com or hybrid-analysis.com in that browser, and then paste the link into those for a review. Now, those sites uh, run the URL or that website address through a whole bunch of different antivirus products and a whole bunch of different um, scanning vulnerability type um, analysis and lets you know whether that link is malicious uh, or phishing or suspicious or if it's legitimate. All right. Well, that's a wrap of today's Safety Plan episode. If you have any questions or have been a victim of a cyber scam, tell me about it by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu. Or you can find more info and past episodes of the Safety Plan on the internet at lcc.edu connect. This episode of the Safety Plan was recorded by Paul Schwartz in the TLC Tower in downtown Lansing Community College and produced by Lane Ingram and engineered by Big D Dedalian. I'm Paul Schwartz, and this is LCC Connect. Voices, vibes, vision. So long. This is LCC Connect. Voices, vibes, vision. Lansing Community College's Fresh Start program forgives outstanding student balances, allowing students to re-enroll without penalty. Fresh Start does not apply to student loan creditors. Learn more at lcc.edu slash fresh start. Lansing Community College Performing Arts features several events and presentations throughout the year. Find more information by visiting lcc.edu slash showinfo. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hello, I'm Dr. Tanya Bailey. Welcome to Arts, Artists, and Advocates, a podcast-based broadcast. You can find content on demand at lccconnect.com. Go ahead, do it today. Arts, Artists, and Advocates is a series of conversations and performances that explore diversity, equity, and inclusion through the arts and activism. 
We're highlighting the work of people on our campus as well as in our community that's making a difference. All of us, and I do mean all of us, go through emotional roller coasters in life. Coming out of the pandemic and experiencing a variety of different challenges, every one of us need encouragement, especially going through hard times. We need help, we need friends. We need to be reminded that we matter. Well, today on Arts, Artisan Advocates, I am so delighted to welcome to the stage the one and only, a local favorite, Lane Ingram, who's going to share his love for humanity, community, underrepresented groups, and more. Today's show is fittingly entitled, You Matter. Please help me in welcome Lane Ingram to Arts, Artisan Advocates. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> What up, Dr. B? What's happening? I'm so happy to have you on the show. I've been trying to book you forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Listen, tell our audience who is Lane Ingram, where you're from, and how has that influenced who you are and what you do? What a question. I know, it's loaded. It is loaded. <laughs> uh, who am I? Let's see. I'm Lane. i born and raised in Lansing, Michigan. Um, I went to Waverly High School in the 90s, and then mm. I went to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Go Blue! All right, um, yes. <laughs> and now I, I work at LCC um, happily. And then also, um, I guess the things I care about most and why your show is called You Matters, because yes. um, I do think everybody matters, and especially uh, members of the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, yes. I just, um, that's really at the, the forefront of my mind all the time, making mm -hmm. sure that our youth are okay and that mm. um, people are supported and know that they're accepted and they matter. And so a lot of me is wrapped up in my family, it's wrapped up in my work, and then um, I host a podcast that I'm really proud of. So. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not in competition, just so folks nope, know. But he hasn't invited me on the show yet, so. <clears throat> well, this season <laughs> I am interviewing members of the LGBTQ plus community to really share our stories and experiences. Now, yeah, yeah. when I get to the ally <laughs> section, yes, please. that's when we'll bring you involved. You all heard it here. He's going to feature me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I love it. I, I love learning about you every day. Um, and I am privileged to be able to work with you. Uh, our show, yes, is entitled You Matter. And so I, I want to, in this segment, as we're learning more about Lane, I, I want you to talk about, you know, what does diversity, equity, inclusion mean to you? And why is it important to the work that you do or the passions that you have? You know, diversity, equity, inclusion are everything, mm -hmm. really. I mean, just in diversity is so important because it helps it helps us to learn. It helps mm. us to learn about people and mm -hmm. cultures and places. You know, I had a boss used to say there is a world elsewhere hmm. because we get so wrapped up in what our everyday is and we forget that other people have different experiences and different mm -hmm. lives, different yes. religions, we different that. weather. I mean, <laughs> yes. diversity is so important and having an understanding of the fact that there are people that are different than you and it's okay. Yes. And then equity, um, hmm. Equity is hard for people to understand, you know, because you think about equality. You know, when I was growing up, equality was like the word. Right. And so when <laughs> equity came around, it's like, well, what does that really mean? And what I want people to understand is that let it, is that everybody getting something doesn't mean you have something taken away. Hmm. You you aren't. Mm -hmm. You know, letting people have things doesn't mean you don't also, right? We want everybody to be taken care of. And so equity so is good. just kind of a foundation of can we not be selfish people? That's so good. Is how I look at it. 
Stop looking at my notes. I got some <laughs> Mythbuster questions coming up, but you're you're hitting on them already. You know? I then, love that. And then inclusion. inclusion. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, I feel this one deeply because being a minority, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm black, mm -hmm. being part of the LGBTQ plus community, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to, they're not strikes against me in my opinion. Like, yeah. I feel like these are some of the coolest things about me. I do too. But you have strikes <laughs> against you, you know, and yeah. everybody needs to be included in, and you don't have people, everybody's not as confident or outspoken as I am. And for mm -hmm. those kind of people, they need to know that they have spaces that they are, yes. that they are welcoming and they're belonging. And so all three are important and they work together. Mm -hmm. But I think the problem is the understanding of what they are, why they matter so yes. much. And you know, often people confuse uh, DEI as being triplets. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same. It's, it's, it's different. It's like ketchup, mustard, and relish. They're all different. Right. They all go great on a burger, by yep. the way. But they're all different. Um, and you just said something that I really hope our listeners are leaning in. Because if you are paying attention to the words that Lane is sharing today, I hope you're getting encouraged and knowing that, you're mat that you matter. Mm -hmm. Especially if you have various intersectionalities and various um, uh, identities that, that you identify. It's important to know that there's a space and a place for you, especially here at LCC, shameless yep. plug, um, but there's a space and a place for you in this world. Uh, and there are people that um, love you. And so do not, do not forget that. Um, Lane, I want to read a quote to you. Da, da, da. Okay. After you hear it, tell me uh, what this quote means to you. All right, here it goes. Be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. Come on. <laughs> Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. That is, um, <laughs> you know, in one in a couple of different ways. Number one, that's one of my favorite sayings in Are the entire world. And <laughs> sort of kind of how I live my life. Um, at the end of my podcast, the thing I say at the end of my podcast is, you know, you know, I do the whole, you know, follow me and share the, share that. Uh -huh. But I say, keep being you because hmm. nobody can do it like you can. That's oh how I end goodness. all of my and podcasts. And I've never heard your podcast. Right? That's how I end them because... <laughs> That is, I mean, because that is what it is. Like you, yes. When I came out in 2017, the title of the article was "I Can Only Be Me," because that's what I used to say. Yes. I can only yes. be me, and I and I say that to kids. I say that to people who are coming out. I say that to people who are going through anything. Like, yes. you can only be you, hmm. and nobody can do you the way that you can. Yeah. You know. And so when I hear that, I agree wholeheartedly because, you hmm. know, people who accept you, who love you, are gonna be there. People who don't, hmm. they're gonna show you who they are. And you have to take the steps to create the boundary around you to protect your heart, to protect yes. your peace, to protect your mind and your mm. well-being. So I love that. Um, and I think mm. it's something that we could we could all live by because the people that matter don't mind. <laughs> and the people that mind, let me tell you, let me say it again. Yes. They do not matter. matter. But you do. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you, you know better than anybody that on... Arts, Arts, and Advocates, we love playing games. <laughs> I do know that. Especially the game called If. It's time for another edition of The Game If. This is where we share a fun way with our guests, uh, providing an if statement that they get to fill in the blank with. So, Lane, you are on deck with If. Oh, boy. If diversity was a car, what would it be and why? And by the way, I'm riding in it. I don't care what you say. <laughs> right. I think I'm going to go with a minivan. Ooh. Because 
I'm not a minivan person uh-huh. and, you know, wasn't good. I'm not married to a minivan mom, but <laughs> I have rented minivans and I did see the movie with Holly Berry yes. with the minivan yes. and the minivan can do a lot. The minivan can. The minivan doesn't run out of gas. <laughs> it's got like all of, I mean, it's got the sunroof, the doors, you know, sliding. Yeah. And the, I mean, it can do a lot of stuff. When I think about diversity, right, diversity can do a lot for us and there's mm. a lot of ins and outs and there's a lot of moving parts. Um, that need to to work together. People need to understand them, on the, and it's it. and it's moving down the road. So I'd say diversity is a minivan. Diversity is a minivan. A yes, yeah. ding 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. There you go. Excellent response. Okay, because we know that diversity is about difference. It's about celebrating that difference. It's about everybody showing up in their authentic self, and it's being okay. All right. Here's the next uh, question on the game called If. If inclusion. Think real hard about this one. If inclusion was a dessert, what would it be and why? <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not a dessert guy either. That's crazy. What? I know, I'm really not. I, oh. I Yeah, I'm not like a cake guy. Okay, but if de- <laughs> if inclusion was a dessert, mm-hmm. everything needs to be included. So I'm going to mm. go with, ooh, it's a fruit pizza. A fruit pizza. Think about all the slices of pie. Oh, yes. And then all you can have so many different fruits. You could do the regular fruits, right? Yes. What is regular? Got to be okay? right. <laughs> and then you can do the fruits that are from different places. You can do the exotic oh, fruits. My goodness. And then everybody gets a slice of the pie. Mm. Oh, yeah. Fruit pizza. And everybody, you know what? That's the best response. Nailed yeah, it. yeah, you nailed it. Nailed it. it. Cash App Lane right now. Nope, <laughs> excellent, it. excellent. Okay, last question in the game called If. If equity was an article of clothing, what would it be? How would you wear it? Oh, man. <laughs> if equity was a piece of clothing, jeez. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I wonder, I guess I'd call it a vest. I used to wear vests, um, yeah. and vests are cool. Okay. I mean, I mean that in, you know, a vest can give you uh, coverage, mm-hmm. but it can also be light. Mm. Um, but, like you know, it, so I, I'm going to say a vest just because, like, it's not a full thing, mm-hmm. but it's also, it does enough, um, yeah. and everybody can wear one, no I matter. I like that. I like that. And they'll come in whatever size you Correct. need it to be. I like you that. You can slide it on, yeah. slide it on. Yeah. And the best covers the heart, too, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Give it up for Lane. He has won the game called If. I am so excited. You answered some really, really tough questions, and you did it quite well, might I ask. (laughs) Might I add to that? All right. So in our next segment, Lane, I want us to really focus on our topic today about um, you matter. It's something that I say in, in my emails. It's something I say every day to people and individuals, but I want people, particularly from the LGBTQ community, to know that they matter today. Uh, and so uh, talk about how uh, diversity, equity, inclusion aligns with the LGBT community and why that's important, why it matters. Uh, first, I want to say you do put that in your emails, and that is <laughs> that is one of the things I really do like about you Aww. because... I think being in this community or having to come out or whatever, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think stuff like that sticks out to you, to yep. people, you know? And yep. so like that, 
early on when I first met you, like that, that was a good, that was a good feeling, you know, awesome. and like that matters to people too. So, hmm. and I, so I'd say to everybody, if you, if you can say to someone that they matter, yes. like you don't know how it's going to affect them yes. or if it's in your email box, you know, hmm. you never know who's mm -hmm. going to see that That's and, right. and it might brighten their day and they might say, Oh, I do matter. I, I should stay matter. around a little bit. <laughs> um, yes. But I think diversity, equity, and inclusion, as it relates to the LGBTQ plus community, right? Like mm -hmm. we, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Oh, there's yes. a lot. There's a lot yes. going on across this country. There's a lot um, happening to to trans people and trans mm -hmm. youth. And one of the things that I'd say to our community is we have to remember that we are a community. Mm. We are all a community. Mm. And when they come for one of us, they come for all of us. And we can't forget that. And And I think that stretches across being black. I yes. think that stretches yes. across, you know, any other minority group, like when yes. they come for one of us, mm -hmm. we're all on the docket. And mm. so the diversity among our group, among our community is incredible, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we're from every race, every background. Right. We've been been here in history for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. um, when I think about equity and inclusion, I mean, we just aren't doing enough mm -hmm. across the country and in society. And I think Agreed. different pockets of the of society are doing okay. You know, mm -hmm. educational institutions, you have to have some semblance of community and belonging and mm -hmm. welcoming because your students and your lifeblood are from everywhere else, right? But in the business sector, mm. um, in politics, yeah. in the places that are, you know, make determinations about our livelihood, yeah. we need to do a lot better. And so DEI is super important, mm. but we, we as a community, yes. our, we are DEI. And yes. my, you know what I mean? Like we, yes. like, I don't know how else we'd. <laughs> we. Yeah, we are. So. <laughs> Ubuntu. It, it means everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which means I am because we are. First of all, thank thank you for saying that. And and it's not just like a tagline for me with with the whole phrase "you matter." I have been in so many situations where I haven't mattered. Um, and for me, the seed forward is to tell somebody else that they do. Yes. And um, and so th thank you for that. And you are one thousand percent correct. It is about the we, never about the me. When they do come for one, they've come for all of yes. us. Uh, and I think if we begin to adopt that mindset that it's going to take all of us standing up for one another, speaking out, recognizing, right, that it's it's more than just this pocket of, of individuals or this group. It's about all of us. Yes. It's about humanity. So I appreciate uh, that as well. Um, I want to do a little bit deeper dive. Dive, dive, dive. <laughs> uh, this part of the show is really about getting comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. And one of those things is about race and identity. And so I want to ask, what was your earliest recollection, recollection of your racial identity? Hmm. You know, it's funny. When you talk to a trans person about uncomfortable conversations, yes. we've had a lot. So yeah. <laughs> there's no real... <laughs> There's no real uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, there's no nothing uncomfortable over here. Um, you know, this is a funny question. I'm gonna give you two answers for it. Great. Because obviously, as a black person, mm -hmm. for me, I'm gonna say maybe not obviously, but it happened pretty young. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was in this store. I was in Dots. And mm, Dots. I, right, oh you my remember goodness. Dots? Oh my gosh. And it's even funnier now that I was in Dots and I'm like a 41 <laughs> year old <laughs> black man. But okay, I was maybe you know 10, 11 years old. I was in Dots and. Uh, this sales lady was following me around. Mm. And I just kept thinking to myself, 
I knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of being silly with it. Like, because number one, I'm not going to take anything. Number two, like, get out of here. Right. But I'll never forget just being like, is this lady like really following me? <laughs> what is this happening? In dots. In dots. Um, and so that was really the first time that I was like, a li- like a little black girl is a, mm-hmm. a problem for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now that question is even funnier, not funnier, but it's even, it, it resonates a bit more because yeah. walking through the world as a black man mm-hmm. um, is much different yeah. than being a black woman. And so, and and I can tell you that as a fact. Yes. It is. Yes. Um, just the way that um, people interact with you when they first meet you, the mm-hmm. way that there's a little bit of apprehension just because mm-hmm. of how you look. And that was shocking too and wow. so i'd say you know mm. my, the first time i was maybe 10 11 12 mm-hmm. and then the second time i was maybe 37 38 wow you know because by the you know when i started presenting that's how old mm-hmm. i was and, and i and i can recall like the change in atmosphere yeah um mm. when i'd be around people who were of a different race than me walking around as a black man and i'm very aware yes. when i'm driving around i'm very aware when i'm just around in general. I'm very aware of how I look. Yeah. It just is what it is, unfortunately. And so, mm. and I, and that wasn't the case before. Yeah. Oh, I love it. See, this this is this is why I love arts, artists, and advocates. We talk about real stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I want to dive deeper uh, and go into stereotypes because you know that's the thing. Um, describe a stereotype, and you can choose two. I'll be kind uh, if you like that about your culture, about your identity, that you would want to demystify? Hmm. This is gonna be great. I can do two, right? Because okay. I have right. I've got I've got a couple things. I mean so let's take let's take trans people mm-hmm. to start. I'm just gonna do I'm just gonna hit you with the big one right away. Go for um, it. Trans people don't transition for any type of advantage. Let me just throw that out there. Let me snaps, say that out snaps, loud. Snaps. Trans people do not mm-hmm. transition to win a medal. They do not transition to win awards. <laughs> we do not transition for notoriety. Nobody does that. Mm-hmm. Um, people transition because it's who they are. Yes. They transition because it's supported by over 20 medical organizations. Yeah. Um, and they transition because that's who they're supposed to be. And um, and so it's really hurtful to see um, people talk about, you know, trans athletes who have transitioned just to get an advantage and like those people mm. are the bravest people you'll ever meet like can you imagine being the first person right. to compete as a female mm-hmm. so to me you know that trans swimmer is a hero yes. I mean, she's she's so brave and she won't be the last yes and you don't take that amount of scrutiny you don't stand in front of all of these people <laughs> and be ridiculed and have your business put out there Come because on. you want to win a medal. Come on. And and that's a fact. And so. that's a fact. Come on, you have debunked and <laughs> yeah. demystified that stereotype. Yep. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you, got, you got another one. Yep. Come on. And I mean, I guess I'd say just from being a black person, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes. And I, I don't know. Let me ask you this. Do you yeah. agree? I think stereotypes come from somewhere. I no, do. they do. They do. Yeah. They 100% do. They do. Because a person somewhere did this thing or yep. something like it. And mm-hmm. I, I'm i okay with that. Yeah. Stereotypes come from somewhere. Right. Um, but as a black person, um, and especially right now, mm-hmm. you know, we, maybe it's not a stereotype. Maybe it's just the way that society is looking and wanting to go backwards. But, like, we are not less than anyone else. 
We are a little louder in the mic, right? We are not <laughs> less educated. We are not from broken homes. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't have two parents in our household, we can still go forth Come and on. be successful. Yes. Like I, these are things that you know you can try to beat this drum if you want to, mm-hmm. but this is a new age of people yes. who aren't going to stand for it. And not saying that our people before did, right. but they didn't have as much power as we do now. They Correct. didn't have as much influence. They didn't have as much money. They didn't have right. as much property. Come on, and so. I'm at the place in my life, you know, where I don't know if it was turning 41 or what, but like (laughs) you can't come at me with any nonsense because I'll bring both my education and my experience to the table. Come on. And then what? Yeah. You know, Um, I I like when I don't like it. And I'm going to say this, but like when I walk into a place and I know that somebody's judged me on just in their mind, I'm just a black guy. right? Right. But then they're like, oh. You went to the University of Michigan? Oh, oh. you're a professional athlete? Oh, oh, you have your master's degree? Oh, oh. you work in the president's <laughs> office? Oh. oh, you've been featured in several national news outlets? Oh, 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 oh. oh, you, oh. Right? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And, and nobody wants to have to do that. No. But we can. Yeah, and yeah, and back it up. If we need to remind you. <laughs> and so I'd say, yeah, black, that, that that's a stereotype that I think should be demystified. We are, you know, just as great Yes. If not better than anyone else. Capable, able, Capable. There talented. We go. Yes. Oh my goodness. Interesting. Excellent. Interesting. Creative. Creative. Brave. Oh, smart. Courageous. Yes. And then some. Exactly. Dot, dot, dot. I can't go any further with that question. You have nailed it once again uh, and educated in the process. Um, but I do want to ask this question of you. Um, so, I say often, leave a mark and not a stain. Hmm. I want to ask you that question. How do you want to leave a mark and not a stain, particularly as it relates to DEI? Yeah. Um, The thing that really makes my heart beat really fast Mm -hmm. and makes me go is uh, thinking about helping, you know, trans youth Mm -hmm. overall. And so... I had a chance to talk to a 17-year-old kid last week. Yeah. And he's he's a trans kid and he, you know, said he didn't really have any, you know, mentors people he looked looked wow. up to and I said you do now. Yeah. And you can reach out to me anytime and he has and he said to me, you know, being able to reach out to you, being able to talk to you and somebody that's gone through it or who can who understands what I'm going through just means so much. Mm-hmm. And for me, he made the podcast that I started two years ago mm-hmm. worth it in that one moment. Wow. And so when mm-hmm. I think about leaving mm-hmm. a mark, it's really important for me to let everybody behind me know that you're going to be okay, that they matter, that, that they we matter. need you here, mm-hmm. that um, the things that you're hearing out in the world, the things that people are saying about you and about us, they're not yes. true. It matters what you think. And there's a community of people here that that care about you and love you and yes. fight for you. And so when I think about leaving a mark, it's that, I want to have been a person who showed that black people, that trans people Mm -hmm. are great, intelligent, kind, giving, um, but worthy members of our society who deserve to be treated equally and fairly. And so that's the mark that I would want to leave here. Well, can I tell you something you might not know, Glenn? You're already doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Trying. Thank you. You are leaving a mark, definitely not a stain. Uh, and that uh, 17-year-old person um, is blessed to have you as a mentor Happy. and a role model. Listen, we have been talking to the one and only Lane Ingram right here on Arts, Artists, and Advocates. Uh, our topic today has been really about you, 
reminding you, the listener, that you matter. I have been your host, Dr. Tanya Bailey. You know it. (laughs) And I thank you for listening and tuning in to Arts, Artists, and Advocates, a podcast broadcast that we want you to look up every single day. Go ahead, on demand at lccconnect.com. Do it today. Arts, Artists, and Advocates is a series of conversations, performances that explore diversity, equity, and inclusion through the lens of arts and activism. We are highlighting the work of good people like Lane Ingram on our campus and in our community that's making a difference. I've been your host, and of course, I'm reminding you that you matter. We'll see you next time. Sharing the voices of Lansing Community College. Visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills, our math, our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water, your air, your food. You're going to need our organizational skills. Our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination, our honesty, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. From Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect, and this is Land Stories, with me, David Seawick. Each episode explores a different topic, such as the people, business, neighborhoods, communities, buildings, and other phenomena that make up the history of our college and our region. We tell stories, and in doing so, we connect the past to the present. In the first of this series on the history of the physical presence of Lansing Community College in downtown Lansing, we explored how the campus came to be at that location, and we looked at some of the buildings, including one uh, big building that's no longer on campus, uh, a building called Old Central. And if you have not listened to part one of this episode series, I would encourage you when you get a minute to go back and listen to that. In this part two, we're going to continue looking at those buildings and how they came to be and, well, what happened to some that aren't here anymore on Lansing Community College's campus. And one building that was mentioned at the beginning of that previous episode was a building that became known as Old Central. Old Central was called that because it was Lansing's original Central High School. And the building was built all the way back in the 1870s. It was designed by a very prominent architect, actually, none other than Elijah E. Myers. Yes, that would be the same Elijah E. Myers that designed the Michigan State Capitol Building, which is located just about three blocks away from where uh, Lansing Community College's old Central Building once stood. And that building's not on campus anymore. 
It was raised in 2006, and there is now a parking lot that occupies most of the grounds where Old Central used to stand. So we're, we're talking about the block in downtown Lansing that is bound, uh, sort of going in a clockwise direction, um, to the north by Genesee Street, to the east by Capitol Avenue, to the south by Shiawassee Street, and to the west, rounding about our clockwork examination of the space, we have Seymour Street. And that area, therefore, going all the way back to the 1870s, had been really the center of the educational activities in downtown Lansing. That building underwent some substantial renovations between the time that it was built in the 1870s and the time it was raised in 2006. And I suppose any building that's around for roughly 130 years uh, is certainly going to go through some major changes in its time span. And that one certainly did. When the building was built in the 1870s, it was a a very fancy-looking building, actually. It had uh, three stories of the main structure, a building that was built of brick, and then the upper floor, uh, the roof, was designed in the Mansardic architectural style. Uh, Henri Mansard was an architect that was involved in some of the building, uh, rebuilding of Paris in the time period when that city's uh, medieval core and early modern core was really raised entirely to the ground, and then uh, a new city was built uh, amongst it. And if you travel to Paris nowadays, you are uh, walking down avenues that bear the great redesign and rebuilding of the city in the uh, time period, r- roughly the 1870 to 1890 time period. Here in the United States, the architectural influence of Henri Mansard w- was prominent, it's so much so that we, we being Americans, named uh, an architectural style after him, and the style in particular was the roof on that type of building. And the roof structure of the old central uh, building, when it was first built, Lansing Central High School, is really what gave it its, its major architectural style distinction. And it's basically a roof structure that has uh, curved facades covered in tiles, uh, gabled and flat um, surfaces on the absolute top of the roof, and then dormers that protrude from the curved edges of the structure. And along with a couple of other major architectural features on the building, including uh, a very large chimney and a turret sort of uh, copula that was also located on the roof, that building was very distinct in its style uh, for many years in downtown Lansing. And then what happened was, in the early 1900s, the Lansing School Board voted to substantially remodel and uh, actually expand that building. And what they basically did was they cut off all of the uh, mansardic architectural elements of the roof line, uh, replaced it with a flat roof, and then added a couple of major wings onto the west and the east sides of the building, essentially building a new building um, around an existing structure and keeping that existing structure and integrating both together. So that is the basic 
frame, if you will, of Old Central as it became known when Lansing Community College acquired it. And then when Lansing Community College acquired that building in the mid-1960s, they went ahead and did some further remodeling of it, including building single-story office uh, wings onto the uh, really the east side of the building, and then adding a very common 1960s architectural uh, element. Some might say it was the brutalist influence making its way into the remodel of that building. Uh, is a facade made of a variety of masonry and, and metal materials, and it covered up most of the windows that had been put when that part of the building uh, was built and remodeled in the early 1900s. So by the time Lansing Community College raised the building in 2006, it bore very little resemblance, very little resemblance to uh, what it was way back in the 1870s when Elijah E. Myers designed it. So what's there nowadays? What's the history behind that? Well, as it turns out, on those grounds of where Old Central once stood, not only is there a parking lot, but there are still, a, well, there is still a building that uh, didn't go quite back to the 1870s when uh, Old Central was built. That building is the Carnegie Library that Lansing once had. And it was built in the early 1900s, right about the same time that Old Central went through its major remodel. The Lansing Central High School went through its major remodel. And now, Lansing Community College has a facility on campus that's called the University Center. The University Center is a conjoining of a brand new construction, brand new from 2009 when the building was completed, with the Old Central um, or on the grounds of where Old Central used to stand, and then attached to the old Carnegie Library building, which goes to the early 1900s. So now, if you stand on the corner of Capitol Avenue and Shiawassee Street, Lansing Community College's uh, downtown Lansing campus, and turn your attention to the direction of the Northwest, you are looking at the 2009 construction and the 1905 construction joined together into one building that we call the University Center and is actually a building that in many ways took a hundred years to build because one wing of it was a building of its own built in the early 1900s and that served as Lansing Carnegie Library. The other wing of it built in 2009 in a very modern-looking structure with a glass and masonry facade, along with the use of some other materials, including copper. So it's a very fascinating-looking uh, building architecturally, and I would encourage uh, any of you, uh, when you're on your stroll around downtown Lansing the next time, take a look at those buildings. It's one building now, and you'll know a bit about the history behind it. In part one of this episode, we looked at urban renewal efforts and changing dynamics of downtowns in American cities going back to the 1950s and the 1960s. And as I mentioned in that episode, and we're going to explore this theme a little bit more right now here, the growth of Lansing Community College's downtown campus 
is in many ways tied into these trends and how they impacted Lansing. So if we imagine that we're still standing on the corner of Shiawasset Street and Capitol Avenue, and our direction is currently in our imaginary walking tour, looking to the northwest. So we are staring at the University Center and the Carnegie Library, and having just contemplated uh, that building and its two halves, we are going to turn our direction now to our right. So we're still standing on the corner of Shiawassee and Capitol Avenue, but now we're looking to our right, and we're going to turn all the way around and walk in that direction down Shiawassee Street across Capitol Avenue. And about 200 yards, we're going to run into what is now known as Washington Square, sometimes called the Washington Mall, when it, we are at uh, the campus of Lansing Community College. The existence of Washington Square and the Washington Mall, as again it's called in walking through Lansing Community College's campus, goes very much back to one of those trends or phenomena of that time period. And this is the movement of pedestrianizing, meaning closing or severely limiting to vehicular traffic, downtown shopping districts in American cities. The movement started not in Lansing, but not that far from Lansing. It actually started in Kalamazoo in 1959. The Central Business District of Kalamazoo, Michigan, had undergone a lot of changes in the decade, decade and a half after the Second World War, as was true of virtually any city in the United States. And as suburban shopping districts were being built miles away from downtown Kalamazoo, the city leaders came together in the late 1950s and they said, what can we do? What can we do to stop businesses from fleeing out into the suburbs, and what can we do to get the general public to want to go to those businesses should they stay here in Kalamazoo? And the solution they came up with was really quite remarkable, given this is the era when the automobile ruled America in more ways than it's um, sometimes even uh, easy to imagine. This is the beginning of the construction of the interstate highway system. It's the beginning of the building of really an entire suburban infrastructure in the United States that was built entirely around the automobile. So what the city leaders in Kalamazoo decided to do was close off a couple blocks of one of the main uh, corridors in downtown Kalamazoo, a street called Burdick Street two cars. And that's what they did. And it became the first pedestrian mall, outdoor pedestrian shopping mall that was uh, conceived and designed over an existing street in the United States. Hundreds of cities around the United States over the next 10 or 15 years would do some version of the same thing, including Lansing. Around about 1970, the leaders of Lansing were looking at ways to revitalize the shopping district downtown here. And so what they decided to do was something similar to what happened in Kalamazoo with the Kalamazoo Mall a decade prior, but a little bit different. And they renamed Washington Avenue, Washington Square. And the idea was that it was 
part of a large square, um, or looked like a large square on a map, of several streets in the vicinity, including Washington Avenue itself, that formed the retail business core of downtown Lansing. And in renaming it Washington Square, the city also went in and redeveloped part of it to be more pedestrian-friendly, including closing a bit of that street off to cars. Now, this is where Lansing Community College comes into the picture here, because this is the exact same time that Lansing Community College has embarked upon what was the most significant uh, physical plant upgrade and total transformation of the land area of downtown Lansing that the campus is on uh, that the college had up to that point committed to. And this is the construction of the Gannon Building, including the parking ramp. If you drive through downtown Lansing nowadays or walk through it, you'll see a crane, a, a big, large crane that's been up for quite some time uh, over the Gannon parking ramp that's currently being constructed. That's a new parking ramp, and it's being built where the old one was located. The old one was finished in the mid-1970s, the same time that the rest of the Gannon Building was finished. The Gannon Building occupies with the parking ramp an entire block of downtown Lansing. And when it was built in the mid-1970s, it was one of the largest construction projects the city of Lansing had seen in years. A, a major, major project that involved excavating quite a bit of, of land, actually, and then building a multi-story building into the side of the hill that that area uh, the topography of that area naturally has. So between roughly 1974 and 1976, the Gannon Building is built. Parking ramp, uh, then the rest of the building uh, at the same time. And the completion, therefore, of the parking ramp and the rest of the building in 1976 happens at the exact same time that this uh, vision of reimagining how downtown Lansing would look is taking shape. And therefore, when the Gannon Building was complete, Lansing Community College acquired the block of Washington Avenue that ran between Shiawassee Street and Schoolcraft Street. And that is the Washington Mall that goes through Lansing Community College. And in doing so, and in closing that off to traffic, not only had LCC uh, taken what was the north end of a fairly important busy street in downtown Lansing and turned it into a pedestrian mall that bisected the growing community college campus. But they had also taken part in that trend that was sweeping the nation of pedestrianizing significant parts of central business districts in downtowns. And this is also one of the ideas that was conceived out of this idea of urban renewal or urban revitalization. And again, it's quite remarkable to think about this. We have the highways being built all around the United States. This is the time when shopping malls start to go up, which are sort of the mecca of automobile get-you-there shopping. One can think of any number of shopping malls in the United States, in Michigan, and in our area here, 
the mid-Michigan region that uh, were built during that time period and certainly fill the bill. But the pedestrianization of cities, therefore, is a very interesting trend that happens during this time period because it seems to balk the nationwide trend of focusing on the automobile. So Lansing Community College's campus is, is right in the middle of that in the physical sense and in the chronological sense. And therefore, now when we walk through Lansing Community College's campus, if we're approaching the Gannon Building, if we're approaching the Arts and Sciences Building, if we're walking into the Health and Human Services Building, any of the other structures that are on the campus, we are walking through the uh, very real long-term significance of this urban trend. It goes back to that uh, post-war period in American history. So it's pretty fascinating to contemplate. And on such a walk through Lansing Community College's downtown Lansing campus, if we keep walking north, we're going to run into a building that is called the Early Learning Children's Community. And it is a early education and child care and learning laboratory. Um, it's an educational facility for young children. And that building, before it was the early learning children's community, uh, at one time held a fine arts center for Lansing Community College, and the photography program was in there too. But when you approach that building, one of the things that is striking about it is the fact that it has an angled corner. An angled corner in the sense that an old corner uh, shop might have. Uh, walking through a business district of a city. And there's a good reason for that, because that building at one time was a corner shop. It was a pharmacy. That's what it was built at, uh, known as the apothecary building. Apothecary is an old term for a pharmacy. And it was acquired by the college way back in the 1960s. And then in the 70s underwent its renovation so it could be used as a photography center. And it was used for quite some time uh, for that purpose. And, and the reason why that building is so interesting is not only because you can see that at one time it was a, a business that um, existed there, but also because you can get the sense if you're standing looking at that angled entrance to the building that that was a street corner at one time. And it was. And the street that ran right in front of it was Washington Street. And so the campus of Lansing Community College has had this really curious uh, effect on the area of, of enveloping or incorporating buildings that predated the campus being there into what it has turned into now. On the next episode, part three of this series, we're going to continue looking at how Lansing Community College's campus has grown through the years and the history behind some of those buildings, those that we have not discussed so far in part one and part two, those buildings on the campus. You've been listening to Land Stories with me, David Seawick. For more information on this program and to stream past episodes, visit lccconnect.org. LCC Connect is the official home of the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College, offering hours of original and exciting programming. 
hosted by faculty, staff, and community members. LCC Connect explores our college's work in the community, important topics in higher education, and our vision for the future. Catch the vibe on 89.7 FM or online at lccconnect.org. Until next time, remember, keep telling good stories. This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.